out. And then 3.0 satisfies us until we hear about 4.0. What's my example? The latest, greatest thing right now is that iPhone 7, right? Some of you guys excited about that? No? Just me? Okay. The iPhone 7, right? That's the latest and greatest thing out there. I was at the Tacoma Mall last week or this week, and I, and I guess it was the big launch, and there was like a, a snake line all the way through the hallway, and people were standing for hours and hours and hours just to get their hands on that new phone, right? And, uh, and I thought, man, that's such, that's such crazy that that's going to be their thing, that that's what they're waiting for. They're anticipating that, the new. We like new stuff. We like to open up new things. We like the newness of it, the possibilities of like, oh, yeah, this is brand new. It's fresh. It's a clean slate. You know, there's some smells that I enjoy in my life, like the best smells in the world. Number one is my wife. I, man, I love the way my wife smells. I love the way she smells. Second thing is, is gasoline. I like the smell of gasoline. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a habit. I just enjoy it once in a while. And, uh, and if I get into, like, gas station or something, I just like to take a big whiff, you know? Like, I just, I like the smell of gasoline. The second is coffee. I love the smell of fresh coffee. The more how many of you guys join me, you love the smell of fresh coffee brewing. My wife works at Starbucks, and that's the best of both worlds when she comes home, right? I get to smell my wife, smell some coffee. Yeah. And the last thing is I love the smell of new car, like the new car smell. I was blessed this last week to, uh, to get a new car. Uh, it's not a new, new car. It's a used new car. But these dealers do a really good job of, like, creating that new, fresh car smell, right? You know what I'm talking about? And one of the favorite parts that I like to do is I like, I like to walk around and look at the cars. And maybe I should be looking at the engines and stuff, but I just put my head in there and I start <laughs> sniffing the car. <laughs> dealer's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I just like the smell, right? I like it so much that once I got the car, I got one of those uh, fresh car scents because I want it to last longer. Right? The new, like we like new stuff. If you've been part of our PSEC community, you know that in September, every September, we kick off a new theme. We kick off this new thing. And there's some excitement there to go, okay, God, where do you want us to go this year? How many of you guys are excited about our theme launch? It's been fun. If you guys were here last week, you heard Pastor Lance kick it off, and he did such an amazing job getting our hearts ready for these next 52 weeks. If you haven't heard it, you got to get online, got to listen to it couple times, because it's really setting the course of where we want to go. But I hear this often. I hear people come up to me and ask me, they're like, how do you guys do this? What's the process? And I'm going to let you in behind the scenes of where we come up with this, with this theme that we do every year. Back in May, Pastor Lance, he takes a season to, to seek the heart of God. He takes time to pull away fast and pray and say, God, what do you want for this church? Where do you want for this leadership? Where do you want us to go here in Tacoma and the surrounding areas? Aren't you glad that you serve under a pastor that doesn't just do things because it's what we've always done, but that he wants a fresh revelation. He wants a fresh vision of what God wants to do now. And so he takes that time back in May, spends time and he's processing it. He's receiving from what God's telling on his heart. And then he starts bringing the staff in and he brings us in and he says, hey, this is where I think God's taking us. We get excited. We start joining him in fasting, praying over what's going on. And he starts to leak that out to some people that he really trusts to say, hey, give me confirmation. Give me, you know, he, he talks about that counsel, brings the counsel involved. He's like, okay, this is where I think we're going. This is what God's doing. He's stirring in my heart in this direction. And he's just getting confirmation after confirmation. And he spends all summer just really seeking God. He, you know, he talks about his calendar. He's really proud of his calendar, you know. And, uh, and so he starts to lay out all the teachings for the year because he wants it to continue to point in the same direction because he really believes that this is of a God, from God to us. 
And so he spends that time processing it out, putting it all lined up, and he's like, okay, this is where God's taking us. And then in, in, in August, he takes the staff on a retreat. And he takes us away, he pulls us back, and he says, okay, this is the theme, this is where we're going. I need it to get into your hearts. Because if you're going to be the leadership of this church, you, they, won't, they won't go where you're not going. So we take time to take this retreat and pull back, and we start receiving it and it starts stirring us in our hearts. We start to process it through our lives. So that in September, we're able to come in front of you guys and say, this is where God's going with confidence, with grace, and knowing and with the excitement in our hearts that's genuine and real to say, this is where we're going, let's go. That's what this whole process is about. Pastor Lance did a good job of, of tearing our, uh, the scripture with us. It's in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. It says this, it says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Come on, how many want to be blessed? We are blessed when we follow vision that God has set before us. We really believe that at PSEC. And so I think it's just pretty amazing that this is where God is doing in our church, that he's saying it's your move. And Pastor Lance kicked it off by opening up the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua, chapter 1, starts out with this young man, this young leader, that he's coming to a crossroads in his life where he's, he is the guy now. He's the man now. He was the next up, but now his leader's gone his dear leader, his friend, his mentor. He was grieving the death of Moses. And yet at chapter one, he's faced with this dilemma. He's faced with this crisis. He's faced with this hurdle where God's put on his heart and says, I will be with you. Be strong and courageous because it's your time. It's your move. It's your move. That was the word that was spoken over our church is that this is the time. It's our move. We need, and Lance left us with this uh, question. He says, what are you going to do? You have to make a move. It's your time to make a decision to make a move. I don't know about you, man, but I was pretty wrecked by that. I walked away going, okay, what is, where is God moving me into? We understand through the, through the Bible that we got to look at the Old Testament through New Testament goggles, right? We have to look at it, and it's a type of shadow of how to live our, out our lives, a lot of good principles, a lot of good stories to live by, a lot of good character studies through the Old Testament, a lot of good teachings of God's law, God's ways. But there's, there's something going on. There's a shadow of how we ought to live our lives today. And Pastor Lance does a really good job of teaching us that this promised land that God was bringing forth this, the children of Israel, that his promise that he gave them way before with Abraham was going to be for theirs to take the land by force. That it wasn't just going to be given to them, but they had to trust God that he was to see them through. So what's our promised land? What's our promised land? Is it, is it salvation? No. I think the salvation shadow was when they were uh, free from captivity in Egypt, right? Isn't that how salvation came to our lives where, where you know, we didn't do any work? We didn't do anything about it, but, but God came and rescued us through Jesus Christ, and we were set free from the bondage of sin, right? It's a perfect shadow, perfect type of what happened in a believer's life. And then we see that they get hit with this obstacle right away, and God opens up the Red Sea. And he's teaching the children of Israel all throughout the wilderness how to live out this freedom. And he's trying to instill in them the principles of how to not only take the promised land, but keep the promised land that he's called them to do. So now they're at this second stage of their journey after a long detour. And they're hit up against this, this, same, this same kind of thing where they're at this riverbank. And this riverbank was at flood stage. What's flood stage? It was about a mile wide and 150 feet deep. Seems impossible. 
Last time with the Red Sea, God opened it up, and then they set foot in. They saw the dry land. This time around, he said, step in. Trust me. And they knew that the battles were coming, and that's where Joshua is at. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 through 9. And read through that. We've been reading it in our Electio, right? And he gets, you get to that moment in Joshua's life, and you're just feeling the tension that he must be feeling where God's calling him into the deep. And we know that it's not salvation, but it's spiritual maturity that is the promised land. That there's a time in a believer's life where we kind of have to grow up and trust God, that all the lessons that we've learned by walking with him for a while are now having to be tested in our faith. Because God's desire for you and I is to grow up in our faith. Not to stay like baby Christians anymore, but now to grow up. And I really believe that our vision for this year is that our church is going to grow up. If we are to take the land, we need to grow up a little bit. It's our move to what? To move up, to grow up as a church and as an individual. It's your responsibility. It's your responsibility to grow in maturity through God. Amen? So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. We see here that the writer of Hebrews is speaking to a church that has gone complacent in their faith. They, they, uh, they've kind of continued to stick around the elementary things and, and, and trip up over the, over the things. They didn't want to get into God's word deep enough. And some of them were getting confused from all the other teachings and complaining. Some of them turned even away from the faith. And this is what the writer speaks to them. He says this. Verse 12, it says, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Wow. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are being like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skills to recognize the difference between right and wrong. He says, man, you guys are tripping over the same old things. It's time to grow up a little bit. You know the faith. You know what God has done for you. You need to trust him a little bit more. Grow those spiritual muscles. Time to grow up. You know the truth. He's pleading with them. Chapter 6, verse 1, he says, So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Do you believe that there's more? (laughs) No matter how old I get, man, and I've been serving God for 20 years now, and I'm telling you that it gets deeper and better each day that I spend time with God. It's endless. And he's, and he's saying, are you pursuing those things? Are you wanting more understanding? Are you wanting more from God? Come on, church. If you want to go where you've never been before, you've got to do what you've never done before. Trust God in the deep. Trust God to move forward. That's what he's saying. He said, let us instead go... And to mature understanding, surely we don't need to start over again with the fundamental importance of repenting for evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instructions about baptism, laying on hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. You should know this. (laughs) I just added that. And so on. God willing, we will move forward to further our understanding. So God's desire for us. If we're going to take the land in the spiritual maturity, and we know that there's giants on the other side. We know there's going to be some battles. We know there's going to be some walls that we need to knock down. But God is calling us as a church collectively that when we take the land, we have to individually decide today that we're going to grow up a little bit, that we're not going to be the same. We're not going to take what it used to be, but we believe that God is going to bring something out new and fresh for us into a new place called the promised land. 
that you've been praying for, that you've been desiring, that's been instilled in your heart. So the big question is, where do we start? How do we start this? Where do we go? Well, I'm going to give you a couple of tips that have helped me out in my life when I've hit this crossroad and say, God, what are you doing in my life? Number one, start with the end in mind. What is it? I think everyone can answer this question personally and say, what is the area that God's been stirring in my heart? Because that's the Holy Spirit, man. He's the one that's stirring in your heart, telling you areas in your life that you need to let go of, areas in your life you need to trust them more in. Where is that area in my life, God? Have you prayed that prayer and said, God, what, what, where do you want to take me this year? Where do you want to take me? Start with the end of mind. Think about what that breakthrough moment is for you. Think about what's that area of growth that you want to grow into. You're like, man, I want to grow up. I want to be more mature in my spirit so that I don't get moved around by everything that happens in my life, but that I can be solid when times get tough. Come on, in order for you to be a solid rock when times get tough, you got to grow up and stand in your faith. How do you do that? Start with the end of mind. Start there. Say, okay, what do I want to see happen? What do I want to see grow in my life this coming year? And then you got to have a plan. Have a plan. I think it's amazing how many times people don't walk, start this out, walk this out without a plan. We just think that we're just going to stumble into greater faith. We think we're just going to wake up with a better prayer life. We think that all of a sudden we're just going to, we're going to stumble into understanding the Bible more. What's your plan for that? Whatever you put in on your heart, wherever you want to grow, do you have a plan for that? Are you willing to put in your time? Are you willing to put in your energy? Are you willing to say, okay, I got to switch, move my lifestyle because I'm tired of the way things used to be. I want things to change today. I got to break this habit. I got to have some breakthrough. I got to stop doing this and start doing that. We'll have a plan. You know, we all experience this thing because there is this principle that God has instituted that everyone is under. What's that principle? Reaping and sowing. Come on, you know what I'm talking about, right? You reap what you sow. We hear this often, right? But it's a principle in life. Whether you believe in God or not, you're under that principle that God's established, that there is the process, there is this thing that you reap what you sow. We see this a lot, right? And like, okay, so like something physically that happens, like physical, is, is working out. How many of you guys have a workout regimen? You have a workout plan in your life. Not everybody? <laughs> yeah, some of you guys, right? Think about it, man. Somebody gets to the point where they make a decision to change. They make a decision Say, this is what I want to do. They made their move. How silly is it if they walk it out and go like, okay, I'm just going to get healthier just because I want to get healthier. No, you really get healthier when you put feet to that faith and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to, this is the thing that, a pattern I want to live under so that I can get healthier. And if we see it in something physical, then how does it work spiritual? I think sometimes we neglect our spiritual man, our spiritual muscles, our spiritual side of us because we don't see it every day. We don't see it every day. I mean, a lot of you guys walked out of here. You guys all look good, by the way, right? But you probably don't leave your house, probably don't leave your house without looking in the mirror, right? So how do we look in the mirror spiritually? James says that when you read the word of God, when you spend time with the word of God, it's reflecting our soul. It's reflecting our spirit. And as we look into the word of God and we spend time with the word of God, it starts reflecting what's in us. I don't know about you, man, but every time I get in the word of God, man, I'm looking at things that I need to work on. That's what God's given us. That's what his word is for, for us to reflect back and go, okay, what are the areas of my life that I need to grow up in? Isn't that awesome that God's given us that? So you got to have a plan because we reap what we sow. Hmm. So where do we go from there? We got to 
maintenance our spiritual life. Maintenance our spiritual life. I know what you're saying. I know what you're thinking. You're like, oh, man, I hate that word maintenance. Sounds boring, redundant, you know. I, I, I understand. I feel that. But I'm telling you, that's only if it doesn't have a purpose. That's only if you don't see results. But I'm telling you that if you just trust in God and you decide to maintenance your spiritual side, to make a decision and have pattern your life and say, okay, these are the areas I want to grow in. These are the things I'm going to do. I believe that if I, if I sow this seed in me, then God's going to reap something out of it. There's going to be a harvest. There's going to be produce. There's going to be, there's going to be something that comes out of this. There's a payout in the Lord. Now, I've been there where I'm like, okay, now I'm ready. Like, I made a decision. I want to move forward. I know what in my life where I need to grow in. And then I've went out there, and about three days, I feel beat up. <laughs> three days, I feel fell. Remember, even when you work out, you get sore. You, you, you get tired. You get discouraged. God knows that. But you know what's awesome? Is that he makes sure that we have help. He sends his Holy Spirit, guys. He sends his Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit fills your life, and he fills you up, and he gives you courage, and he gives you strength. He goes beyond, because he's spiritual, right? And he speaks to our spirit, and he starts to build us up. You know, that's his job, is to build us up, to grow us up, to mature us in the faith, so that we can look more like Christ. That's his job. And the Bible teaches us that there are some things that he does. Number one is that he gives us patience. How many need patience? We're such an impatient society. We want it now. We want it yesterday. We, like, we love it. We love it when we have it now. We can't wait, right? We can't wait. I'm so impatient, man. Like, you know, one of my favorite things I like to do is go to the movies early so I can see the trailers. You know, my biggest pet peeve is when they show a really cool trailer and then they say summer of 2017. I'm like, oh, why you show it to me? Now I want it now, right? We're so impatient. But the Holy Spirit, he settles our hearts, guys. He gives us patience to endure, to have a steadfastness in our hearts. So the things that he's telling us, he says, it's going to take some time. Let me do it right. Let me build it up. Let me give you roots so that when times get tough, you're not going to just fall over, but that you're going to stand tall. Come on, do you want your faith to be that way? Or do you want it just to be tossed left and right when things come up? God wants to build us up from the inside out. Number one, other thing he does is he gives us faithfulness. He gives us faithfulness. He, he helps us to be faithful to the things that he's given us and to wait. Sometimes we think of faith as this radical thing where we just make this leap of faith and we just go reckless and we take off and we go, 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 go. Which I think at times that's, that's pretty awesome and important. But I think a deeper faith is those that stay faithful, that wait on God. They don't go unless they hear him say go. You know, even when everyone's telling them why, what, what, and they're just like, no, I got to stay faithful. I got to stay. I got to stick around. I got to see this through because God promised me that this will happen, that this will come through. Faithfulness. We need the Holy Spirit for that. And the last thing is self-control. Oh, my goodness, self-control. <laughs> How many of you guys need some help with self-control? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Don't raise your hand. Self-control is kind of it's, it's kind of a funny word because it has nothing to do with self, right? It has all to do with control. Who has it? And I've learned about self-control that it has nothing to do with myself. It has nothing to do with my ability and my strength. I've tried that, and I've become weak. But I realize that if I want to really live out self-control, what do I do? I surrender to the Holy Spirit. I let go. I lift my hands. Okay, okay Holy Spirit, help me because I'm going to say yes to you and no to that. 
That's practicing self-control. And so as the Holy Spirit helps us with faithfulness, patience, and self-control, then where do we go from there? How do we maintenance this? How do we continue to do this? Because we've all been in seasons of our life where maybe this stuff was played out. Maybe we worked these things out. But then how do we maintain this throughout the year? And I really believe that God's doing something the next 52 weeks that he's never done here before. Are you ready? It's like Pastor Lance says, buckle up. Because he's got something bigger. He's taking us to new places. Amen. Something that Pastor Lance said last week that really resonated with me. It really stuck on me where I was just kind of chewing on it and thinking about it. And I don't even think it was part of his notes. Actually, it wasn't because I see his notes. It wasn't part of his notes. And he just, he got excited about where the church is going. He got excited about where he went, where God was taking us. And he said this, he says, I want to see the book of Acts come to life again in this church. And he got me thinking about the book of Acts. Man, if if you're getting a little bored with church, man, you start reading the book of Acts. All right, I'm just going to put that out there. I started going back to the book of Acts. I started reading it. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts chapter 2. And I saw a pattern there. After the believers are waiting, because God, Jesus Christ gave them a commission. He gave them an obstacle. He said, okay, it's time for you now. Just like Moses was dead, Joshua had to take the lead. Jesus is gone. He leaves it to his people. And he says, and that's you and I. And he says, okay, now it's time for you to go and do the things that I've done and teach the things that I taught. And you need to go out into the world. And that was a big obstacle. That was, that was huge. That took a extraordinary faith. And so he goes out to the, in the same way, the commissioning that Jesus gave, the commissioning that God gave Joshua, same thing. And so they waited and they got empowered by the Holy Spirit, just like you're empowered by the Holy Spirit if you ask to do his will, to do extraordinary things. He goes to them and, and in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, I saw a pattern here. I said, okay, what next? What, how do you move? If we're told to, it's our move and we made a decision, where do we go? How do we start? What does that look like? And I saw it in the lives of these believers. It said this, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All, everybody say all. Just wanted you to know that. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who have been saved. You know, the, the, the word that stood out to me, the word that, that changed my way of thinking was the word devoted. The word devoted. The Bible says that these believers, full of the Holy Spirit, wanted to make a move into the world and change the world. They were devoted to these things. That means they committed themselves to. They, made a de- they, they were devoted to these things. They were, they were making a stand to say, these are the things that we will not stop doing. We're going to trust God. Were those things easy? No. It took a little bit of them to put, to put into it. The teachings. What does it mean by the teachings? It means that they weren't just satisfied just to listen to the word of God, but they had to take time to understand the word of God and how it applied to their lives. 
They found teachers, these apostles who knew the word of God a little bit more than they did, and they asked questions. They got in community. They, 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 they talked about the word of God. They, they, they embraced the teachings, the corrections, the, the moments. They had opportunities for that. Come on, if we want to grow up, it's not enough just to hear the word of God. But you got to take in the word of God. It's where the whole spiritual milk to solid food comes in. Sometimes when we're on this, we're new Christians, we're just listening, we're taking it all in. But there comes a time where we need to grow up and we need to get on the solid food. What's the solid food? Another translation calls it like meat of the word of God. You know what a meat, you can't just swallow meat or you're going to choke, right? You got to chew on it for a while. You have to, you have to digest it. You got to bring it in and you have to go after those things. That's what, that's what we're talking about, understanding the teachings, getting into the word of God and, and understanding it. Chewing on it, wrestling with it. Not just the ones that make us feel good, but the ones that challenge us. The ones that challenge us. You know, I got I to gotta confess I, um, about something that God's been teaching me. Uh, I do a, a, a camp. I, I do junior high camp for our district. And, and every year I want students to get into the word of God. I want them to fall in love with the word of God. And, and, and it's so important to me because I'm like, man, if they just taste the word of God, and they just know that it's good, they're never going to leave it. They're going to be hungry for God's word. And so the last couple of years, I tried to do all these different methods to make it easier for them. And I, and I started getting to the point where I'm like, yeah, spend 15 minutes a day. And then I dropped it down 10 minutes a day, two minutes a day. I, I did all these little simple little tricks to try to get them into the word of God. And I thought I was doing well. And then this year, God convicted me and he brought me on my knees and I had to repent from that. And he said, don't spoon, spoon feed them anymore. Make them crave the meat. Make them crave the meat. Take them to a place where they're in awe of God's word. Take them to a place where they're just going to be mind blown by the word of God and the depths of the wisdom within the word of God. Let them smell the meat. Let them crave the meat because if they can grab a hold of that, they're going to be there for the lifetime because God's word never runs out. Amen? Fellowship, consistently hanging out with the right people. Man, we are an outreach church. We believe that our church is for all people. We believe that we want to we reach out in our community, but we have to balance it out by putting the right people in your life that are going the same direction as you are. These people never forsake the gathering of, of the assembly of togetherness. They showed up every time the church doors were open. Every time they were together, they're like, we need to get together. They, community, they build a community around the people that were going to encourage them in their faith so that they can keep on going. You know, this was, this was radical, you know, these people that converted, they got delivered, they, 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 a lot of them couldn't go back home. A lot of them were, were having death threats. Like, this was not easy, but yet they embraced it. They said, you know what, we're going to gather together. We're not going to leave our brothers and our sisters behind. They constantly made room for each other. Breaking of bread, there's the same thing. They had time. You know, we tell this to our leaders and our youth leaders all the time. We're like, man, if you can't play together, you can't pray together. There's something cool about when going in each other's house and you share a meal together and the conversations that happen and the realness that opens up. Get real with each other. Get real with each other. Bring people in. Open your table up to those who are in need. And then they prayed together. They talked to God on the behalf of others. I think that's pretty amazing. They never left a meeting. When I read the Bible, when I read the book of Acts, every time they got together, man, they prayed. They didn't just pray for a simpler life. They didn't pray just for their own needs. They prayed for each other. They prayed for boldness. They prayed for the missionaries that were going out. They prayed for the apostles that were in prison. They prayed, they prayed, they prayed. They didn't stop that. You know, we have a prayer meeting coming up. Who's coming? 
Are you committed to that? Or you want to see that grow in your life? Do you want a better prayer life? Are you showing up at prayer meetings? Are you praying together with other people? Are you making room for that? You know, that's, I, I just feel like these are the things that they committed themselves to. Was it easy? No. Was it hard? Yes. But if they maintain that seed in their hearts, they maintain that area they wanted to grow in, and time. See, here's the thing about a seed. You guys all got a seed, right? You all got a seed. You should have, right? There's a pumpkin seed, right? Give you all pumpkin seeds, it's fall. Somebody told me that um, one, one seed produces how many pumpkins? Anybody know that? No, one, yeah. I didn't know that. I'm like, serious or yeah? But how many seeds does one pumpkin produce? Yeah, lots, right? I think it's interesting is that they committed to themselves to these things. They committed themselves to teachings, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. And it was long and it was hard, but they grew. They grew. <laughs> and I want you to see what the results were. What was, what was the fruit that came out of this? Look at what it says here through the word of God. It says that there were signs and wonders. Church, I believe this year that if we stay committed to these things, if we stay committed to what God's put in our hearts, areas that we need to grow, if we grow up, church, this year, just a little bit, God's going to be faithful to produce a crop in your life, and we're going to see signs and wonders and miracles all around us. They're going to follow us where we go because that's what we're about. There's going to be unity like never before. That's what the church had. That's what they had. We need unity. How many of you guys think we need more unity at PSCC? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Needs were met. You know, we had some people coming to our church that were not part of this community, but part of other community. And they come with needs, big needs. You know, they come in like, hey, I can't pay my rent. I can't, you know, they, they have all these needs. And, and a lot of times when they come to PSEC, because we're just, we really don't look like a church, but they hear about us, they show us, they show up. A lot of them have been to like five, six, eight different churches and they've gotten the door slammed on them, you know, like not, 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 not that way, but just saying that they didn't get what they needed. And so they come to us. You know how humbling that is for somebody to walk that journey out? Keep getting rejected and they come here and <laughs> I'm like pastor on staff and I'm like, oh man, trying to figure out how we're going to work this out. I mean, Renee knows. You know, Heather knows. We're, like, we're sitting there trying to figure out, like, how do we help these people? Just to love them, show them that care. Let's believe what God's doing something. He's seeding something in their life to know that God is faithful, that God's real, and he can meet their tangible needs. And, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes because we don't have everything that we need. I believe this year as God's growing us up in generosity, I believe that we're going to be able to bless those people. God's going to bring the people that need it to come to this place, and we're going to be able to say yes we'll be with you. Yes, we'll walk beside you. Are you ready for that? And we got to grow up. We got to grow up. Sincere relationships. We've been talking about life groups. Are you ready? Some of you guys are like, man, I feel so lonely, but you don't want to part in a life group. (laughs) Telling you that's where it starts. That's where genuine real relationships starts. Favor with strangers all around. It's pretty cool. But the world was looking at these believers and they were becoming alive in the community and people were wanting to be around them. And through that, people were saved. Guys, it's going to be hard these next 52 weeks, right, to stay faithful to that seed, to stay faithful and committed to these things. There's going to be times where we're going to stop. There's going to be times where we're going to get tired, times where it's going to feel boring. It's going to be feeling like, man, I'm not gaining any ground. 
Just like a seed that's buried in the ground, right? You don't see it in the surface, but I'm telling you that you stay faithful to that seed. You keep watering that seed. Keep doing the right things. Then eventually, it breaks forth. If you stay faithful to what God has put in your hand, it's faithful to what God's put in your heart. You be faithful to these things and you believe in these things. Say, God, I want to mature. I want to grow up. So I'm going to do these things and I'm going to be faithful to these things. I'm going to commit myself to these things. Then people are going to start seeing that come out of you. They're going to start seeing it. They're going to start seeing it. And it's going to make a difference. This is my life scripture and I'm going to close with this. It's in Galatians chapter 6. This is a scripture that I held on to for a lot of my faith. Because I've been doing youth ministry for 16 years. You got to know there's some hard times in that. There's some hard times in that. The times where I wanted to give up. Times where I, I just didn't know if it was worth it. Times where I felt like I wasn't getting the results that I wanted. And I had to cling to this scripture. I had to hold on to it and say, God, I believe in this in faith, knowing that you are the God of the harvest and you will bring it through. And guess what, guys? We're talking about releasing these young people into ministries. We're talking about seeing these young people come up here and lead their generation. But it didn't start out that way. It started out small with what God was birthing in my heart. It started with the decision to say, I'm going to be committed to these young people. I'm going to be committed to this generation. And I'm going to stay true to what God's put in my hands. This is what it says. And I'm going to read the message version because I just like the language in this. So listen up. It says, don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignores the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. Come on, we don't want weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God Letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvest a crop of real life, eternal life, so that not so let's not allow ourselves to be fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we do not give up or quit. Right now, there's therefore, every time we get a chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in this community of faith. Wow. I just sense in my heart this morning that I got to tell somebody, don't give up. <laughs> don't give up on doing the right thing. God sees your seed. God sees what you plan. Some of you guys, this, this message is just an echo of what God's already been saying to you. And you've been faithful to that seed. You've been believing that God's going to come through. And so you continue to not go to the right or to the left, but to stay the course. And you're getting tired you're getting weary and you're wondering, when is this going to happen? And I'm telling you, don't give up. Because God is faithful. God will do what he said he would do. He wouldn't put this on your heart if he was, God doesn't do that. God has a mission and a vision. And he's entrusted us with that today. So what's his vision? We're going into theme launch and the vision that God's put us. I think that we have to get real right now. And say, okay, God, I'm going to take that step. I'm going to move forward in these things. And then watch what God does collectively because we're going to all walk the same direction. Yeah, I'm so honored and blessed to have my mom here um, this, this morning. My mom, my brother, and his family. I got, I got to just brag on my mom for a moment. You know, uh, 
My mom, she, she planted a seed a long time ago for her kids, all six of us. We would come to the faith that we would know Jesus Christ like her, and she's a godly woman, and she would pray faithfully for all of us. You know, at the age of 12 to 17, man, I was running from God. At the age of 12, I decided on my own. I was like, because I had to own my faith, and at that time, I was like, I don't know if I believe this stuff. I don't know if it's just what I grew up in, and, and, and I had to find it myself, and I got this rebellious spirit in me. I didn't want anything to do with God, and I ran from God. And I was just like, man, I got worse, and I got worse. And it got to the point where, you know, that five years was like living hell in our household. Fights all the time, argue. There, there was one time. There was one time where my mom brought me to church and I got in a fist fight with my stepdad outside the church. Whew. Had to walk 20 miles home. <laughs> Man, it was rough. There's times where I'd sneak in the house at like midnight, one o'clock, and just a wreck. And my mom would be on her knees praying, believing. She had to go to work get ready, 4 o'clock in the morning, but she didn't give up for her son. She continued to pray for my salvation. She planted that seed, and she watered that seed, and she was faithful to that seed, and she believed, and she believed, and she believed. And for five years, not five days, not five months, but five long years, long, hard years, she decided to be committed to and devoted to seeing her kids get saved. What if, church, what if the seed isn't just for you, but what if it's for your children's children? What if it's to change the course of your family forever? That's God we serve. Will you not give up at this time? Will you not stop doing what is right and believe that God is faithful? <laughs> Guys, as I was preparing for this message and I was thinking way back about my mom planting that seed and, being, and making an impact on me because five years later, she didn't know when. She didn't know when. But at the age of 17, she wasn't even around. I was outside, and God came to my heart, and I surrendered my life to Jesus, and I never looked back. And, yeah, amen. It's a miracle. And, and this last week, as I was reminded of this, I was in, youth, in the youth group, and I was watching them worship, and I saw my 15-year-old son my 15-year-old son, Trey, and he's raising his hands towards God and he's worshiping and he's chasing after God where when I was 15, I was running from God, but my kid now today is chasing after God because he didn't give up, amen? He didn't give up, she didn't give up, and I won't give up. Don't give up. God is faithful. God will do what he says he will do. Are you ready to move, church? Are we ready to grow up? Are we ready to move on? Come on, like I said before, man, we can't go places we've never been if we, don't, if we keep doing the things we used to do. I got to do something new. I got to break some habits. I got to do some change. And God has given us the power to do that. Will you stand and join me? We're going to pray for our seed. If you received a seed, I think everybody got a pumpkin seed. Just a reminder. Okay, some of you guys already ate it. <laughs> you know? I think I have a couple of seeds. There's like regular seeds. and I couldn't find any other pumpkin seeds. So I had to go to the Mexican store. Some of you guys got a Mexican seed. The only difference is um, the Mexican seed has a little more flavor. All right. Orale. Where's my... Here's the thing. I'm being real now. Music's playing. It's a little more spiritual now, right? No, in all seriousness, can we hold our seat? Can we pray? Because I think there's some people right now that for the very first time, they see hope. 
They see hope. The day, the, the day is rising up. Can we believe? Can we trust? Come on, let's pray. Father, I pray for my friends this morning, God. You are doing a good thing. You're doing a good work in them, Lord God. But Lord, the road is hard, God. There's some giants to be slayed. There's some walls that be needing tore down. There's going to be some rivers to cross. But I pray for my friends today, God, that they don't give up in those moments, but they rise up just like Joshua and be strong and courageous in those moments so they could trust your word that you're going to lead them all the way through to their promise. We thank you for this opportunity. Bless them, equip them, empower them, and set them off. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity. Let us be reminded of this this week, that you've called us for such a time as this. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said.